Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. And I'm not going away, but some dirty Ladies and gentlemen, broadcasting from beautiful South Bermondsey, this is Achtun Millwall. Once more into the breach, dear listeners, here we are, Zampa Road, Grey. Summer's afternoon's about, kickoff just happened, it's got to go back, it's Millwall versus Bradford City, my name is Nick Hart. You are listening to Act on Millwall, but you knew that anyway because you've clicked on the on the podcast. We kick off finally, long, huge crossfield ball straight out of play. Team lineup today: Jill Narcher, Joe Martin, Byron Webster, Tony Craig, Marlon Romeo across the middle. We've got Ben Thompson, oh, O'Brien, Gregory's injured, Sean Williams in the middle. Greg Wilde on the wing up front Steve Morrison Aiden O'Brien we fucking got there in the end Mick didn't we well done well, well done, done mate well done. well done top research on this show listeners welcome to a den in turmoil with the shock news that Andy Ambler's got a big job at the FA I'm heartbroken <laughs> Mickey can't talk he's heartbroken um, I'm not sure that when you're a little boy you worry too much about who's chief executive of your football club it's all about star strikes do you know players. who the new one is it, it's so you don't know I he's, do, he's, he's built you up you don't know no I do it's uh, Kavanaugh Trevor, Trevor Kavanaugh no it's Steve Kavanaugh Steve Kavanaugh Southend and um, Charlton Trevor Kavanaugh Okay. It's Steve Kavanagh who used to work for Southend, not Steve Kavanagh. Mill will break here while you're talking, Mick. There's Sean Williams, boot through ball finds Morris over on the right hand side. Two minutes gone, ball into the mix, taken comfortably enough by the Bradford goalkeeper. So, yeah, new chief executive. Um, I know that people build up um, images around the den of various uh, characters in the club. Always found Andy uh, an affable enough guy. Um, he's a nice enough fella, I think. I think it was just. He, he, he knew that he didn't want to be here and he needed to get into the FA, so yeah. it's been... It's a means to an end, yeah. wasn't it? I mean, it's networked very, very well, got onto various committees. Another uh, ball over hit there by Steve Morrison. He's networked himself via the Football League, Mick, and then onto the various FA, FA linkages. Well, he's an accountant by trade, isn't he? So, at the end of the day, he didn't really do a good job here, though, but... Well, it made me laugh. There was um, John the Berylson um, put a statement out, I don't know if you saw that, about nine years of success. And I thought, well, when he came here, we were in League One, third division, broke, with we yeah. a property deal hanging over us. Yeah. And now he leaves us nine years later, we're broke, in the, in the third division, League One, with a property deal hanging over the top of us. Bradford on the break here, it's four minutes approaching. 
pressing forwards, little overlapping boys here, level on the left hand side, it's a dangerous moment, ball across the box, put behind by Joe Marley for Bradford Corner. The bloke on uh, House of Fun, a guy called Silver, has posted it during his time as Chief Executive Officer Andy Ambler has presided over and left us with the following. A continued financial loss, a poor distribution of financial resources, deteriorating performances, poor recruitment into key areas, a likely failure in participation of a lucrative regeneration, um, safe, this will safeguard the club and created an increased alienation amongst its um, customer base. Apart from that, as John Berylson posted, it's been nine years of solid success. Goodbye, Andy. Yeah, thanks. Bradford with a free kick. A little bit of interchange passing on the edge of the mill penalty area. Yorkshire, Yorkshire. About one block's worth of Bradford fans here today. I expected more of a turnout. It's not that long since they brought um, much larger numbers for the playoff semi-final, of course. And we took about 2,000 up to their place. One of the best games I've seen in a long while, that game up there at Valley Parade. The, poor, the four, the four flicks it into the box, and that's cleared by Tony Craig. Grey, windy day today down here in South Bermondsey. Bradford wearing a black and gold sash number. Millwall, of course, in their traditional blue and white stripes. Last seen 50 years ago. I don't like it, no, personally. I, I, I've said that in the start. We don't play in stripes. I know we did once upon a time, but that's not been the, uh, the majority of our, our footballing existence. We've been in blue, blue shirts. A little ball into the box there by Bradford. That's headed clear. Seven minutes gone, but no, I don't, I don't like it. It's not the most important issue going on at the, in, at the club at the moment, me, is it? No, no, it's... Uh... Not when we've got... Um, but at least the shirt's sorted. We fucked the regen. <laughs> but, but the shirt's sorted. <laughs> Joe Martin caught out there on in possession. It's a little uh, search for by the seven now, going down the middle right for Bradford. Tristan turns his way past Joe Martin, who got sold a, a lemon there. Bradford retained possession over on the left. That's going to go for a, for a throw-in. Bradford passing the ball around quite well across our back line at the moment. No direct threat. Another ball into the middle box there. That's headed clear by Joe Mars. There's a header on goal. Fantastic save by Jordan Archer on eight minutes. That was goal bound. Fantastic Jordan Archer save there. First chance of the game. You know, I was just saying about they've been passing the ball around with no direct end product. Well, that was an end product. That took a little deflection, that cross. That was headed back by Joe Mars with no power and headed straight back on goal by the, uh, the, the Bradford striker. Fantastic news. Retain one of our star ace players, at least to the January transfer window, or we might get full dollar for him if another club comes in with money. You are so cynical. I am so cynical. Oh, but that's... Well. Uh, well, there we are. We know how it works. We know how the world works, dear listeners, don't we? There's a slight depleted look to the lines. No Shane Ferguson. Obviously, he's away with Northern Ireland, I think, on international duty. It's international weekend. And I think Mark Litchfield posted on Twitter this week um, if you think the Lions squad looks a little bit threadbare, it's, this is why we had games postponed last season. Yeah. This year we're playing them, and of course we we have, we have player losses, don't we? No, Jimmy Abdu's away with the Comoros Islands. I saw a little report in, in yeah, French. Yeah, yeah. played Nigeria, apparently. I speak fluent Comorosian. Oh. Right start by Bradford as we go past the, uh, the 11th minute of the game. They look like a passing side. Um, they've had the best chance of the game so far in, on eight minutes, that header on goal. They look like they've come here to, um, to move the ball at speed. They don't look like the direct lump side that we um, kind of saw last season. Uh, they look quite useful. So far, Mill very much on the back foot possession-wise. Let's put it that way. Lots of one-twos in this move. There's the seven on the right-hand side. That's going to be hacked clear, finally, by Ben Thompson. Up towards Steve Morrison. 
who wins the physical challenge. He lobs the goalkeeper, he's on target, and the goalkeeper fends it off. On the line, Steve Morrison's trademark lob there, Mick. He's loving those lobs now, isn't he? Loves a lob. He does love a lazy, <laughs> lazy lob. Oh, missus. White book or a blue book, listeners? We need a new fucking Yeah, it's starting to crow. Maybe this is... The, we're just looking at the um, the concrete on the on the front row of block two, and the uh, it's starting to corrode slightly in places. I, I must admit, I've looked at the, the roof space a couple of times. I've been further back, and you can see um, some of the roof uh, packing inside the structured roof coming loose. So maybe the, the den is falling apart. Maybe that'll solve the regeneration problem, but we'll... Maybe, talk, that's, maybe that's what that's Jamie part, knows. Maybe it had inbuilt obsolescence when it got built. I don't know. Uh, we'll cover... We'll talk about that half-time. This is Bradford now to 10 down on the mill byline right-hand side. They're looking dangerous, actually. That, that comes to nothing. That's straight into Sean Williams. They, they pass the ball around in ones and twos. Little triangle passes. This is Steve Morrison on the direct route, though. Takes on his man. Number eight finds Wild inside. Goes past the like knife through butters. This is Greggy Wild. Ball back across the box. Ben Thompson with a chance for a shot. Too long, Ben Thompson. Took far too long. Shot from distance from... Um, Worrell on target. Mill looking nice and direct. Ben wanted far too much time there, Mick. Far yeah, too much yeah, time. Much too much. Should have been um, razor sharp. Yeah, yeah. There we are. Best chance for Mill there. Nice atmosphere inside the ground. The crowd are enjoying this game. It's actually been a bright start to the, by both sides. Good to see. 14 minutes. So, yeah, the good news is that Joel Nash has signed a new contract. I know we, I took a rather cynical view of that earlier on, and it's probably partly true, but a lovely little photograph of Jordan doing, um, like, an Elvis Presley at Vegas-style kung fu routine. Older listeners will know what I mean by Elvis Presley in Vegas and his kung fu karate-style moves. You don't know what I'm on about here, uh-huh, Mick. Yeah, yeah you, he does. Mick does know what I'm on about. Um, <laughs> in, fact, <laughs> in fact, Jordan was wearing a, a, a white um, Beckham-esque-style tracksuit, which gave every image of the king of the height of his powers in Las Vegas in the late 60s. Mickey sat next to me. He's become Mr. Establishment at Millwall now. He's, he's, since he joined the supporters club and he's no longer um, seen as quite the rebel <laughs> that he used to be, he's down by the pitch. Show me pictures of himself earlier on. He was, listeners, sat down there in the, in, the, in the dugout. I presented the man of the match. Man of the match award. The man of the match from Tuesday's game to, uh, to church. This is how it all goes. No, even. No, it's <laughs> One minute you're a Sex Pistols playing the Roxy 1976. Next you're doing Butter Adverts. I think I think the board still wants to kill me, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mr. Establishment. Pictures with Stevie Morrison. And Lee Greggs. <laughs> Lee Greggs. Noah Chesmain. There you go. A little passing move by Bradford over on their right-hand side. They're looking at a little ball into the box there. It's far post. Headed downwards. He's still got possession. Cleared finally after a fashion. Now it's cleared on the right-hand, left-hand side of the mill box. They pass the ball around ball and they're slightly killing us with that at the moment. 18 minutes gone. Nice little girl getting the autograph from Chris Twardick down. That's, that's nice to see down there below me in, in the, uh, the lower tier. Very nice gesture by Chris Twardick. Well done, son. He's well pleased. He's well pleased with that. Giving it, giving it a big high-five to her dad as she got back to her seat. Nice to see. Chance for Wilde to, uh, to shine a little bit um, in the absence of Ferguson. He's not had a real chance. He hasn't started, I don't think. So it's a chance for him to really impress in today's match. That was quite a nice-looking cross there. No one on the end of it, clearly. So I don't, know how, I don't know how nice a cross can be when no one's on the end of it. Maybe that's a contradiction in terms. Don't know. Too philosophical for this time of day, listeners. Morrison's got in the challenge there. 21 minutes with the number six. Number six being left on the floor, making a meal of that challenge. 
Morrison's talking to the referee. Um, will he get a yellow? Morrison playing. No, he's not going to get a yellow. Morrison was outraged. I think that the six is um, drawing comment down below us there, Mick, for uh, overcooking that, I think. I think that's probably the best way to put it, yeah. I think he'd behave like a great big northern girl. <laughs> I think, I think Morrison's talked himself out of a yellow there. Just by sheer force of personality. Well done, Steve. Crowd don't like that six now. He's a marked man. There are blokes down there sling some right horrid abuse in his way. Mix just speculating why footballers don't hurt themselves when they land on the floor. Um, I think it's got something to do with being young, Mick. Flexible. Trained. We're going to take it that way today, are we? <laughs> It's Mickey's birthday, and I'm. It's my birthday on Monday. It's his birthday on Monday, so we're just going through like a midlife crisis moment. One worrying our younger blokes I'm can. I'm whether or not to buy a motorbike <laughs> or a Ferrari. Younger blokes can run around faster and land and stuff like that. Or a flat jacket. <laughs> Here's the four on the right-hand side of the mill penalty area, probably about 25 yards out. It's going to be crossed in again across the box they've looked dangerous each time they've done that that's been headed behind no, no corner no. It's, it's gone for a throw in actually and he caught, he caught it unusually the player oh, caught it? it he caught it before he went out of play the crowd appealed as you can hear and that's going to be a middle free kick for handball silly boy long ball in from Craig that's just about headed there by Worrell Unusual for Tony Craig not to place that with his usual Johan Cruyff style accuracy, but there it was. It was rather, <laughs> rather lax. Six drawing a little bit of attention, as you can hear. Mill just trying to press Bradford in their own half. Wild there with a nice challenge, shoulder to shoulder. For someone so small as Ben Thompson, he yeah. can fucking get up there. He can. can. He's, he's all go. He's a dynamo. Mill pressing them quite nicely here, Mick. They're forcing them backwards. They're passing is now on their own part penalty area. And they're going to bring it away here. Crowd loving it. The crowd liking what they're seeing. It's a real um, clash of styles today. Bradford have come here very much as a, a passing side. They, they look a little bit of sea when they do try and hit it long. When they pass it, they look quite effective. They've uh, had a couple of chances earlier on. Um, Millwall, by contrast, are playing their classic counter-punching, soak up the pressure, hit them on the break, long ball style. Um, even Stephen, I mean, it's obviously nil-nil. It's just gone past the 30th minute of the games. Even Stephen's for me at the moment. I think this actually been quite a nice game to watch. Um, one post, one post on the House of Funds asking if anyone's there, but I presume he's not. We haven't posted that, so um, we, we won't name him. We won't name him. No. Byron Webster, almost allegedly the uh, object of affections from Sheffield United after last week. I don't know how strong a story that really was, but. Um, briefly, there was a story during the internet rounds, Mick, that Sheffield United manager had made inquiries about our Byron. I think it took no more form than he looked good after the game. Uh, yeah, is no, is he available? Yeah. I, don't, I don't think there was any um, no, formality to it. No. I don't think they could anyway, have... still here. Yeah, no, As is Lee Gregory, as is Jordan Archer. Yeah. So, um, all good news. Harris has I, given I, them their, their, and their they, debut. They, Harris has given them each their, their run in a side, and it, the side is geared to making them look good. And I think there's a lot to that. They're still at stages of their careers where they could use another season of looking pretty good. I mean, Gregory particularly. I know he's injured at the moment, but, um, you know, it's. I think if they take some kind of bigger, wider view of their career than just the immediate signing for money, then um, this is the place to be. Easy for me to say when it's not me drawing the fee and drawing the wage, of course. Of course, to Sean Williams on the edge of the penalty, parts it wide. Greg Wilde. 
does a good job to give possession to Joe Martin on the left-hand side, who's tackled well. Goes for a middle throw in about halfway along the, uh, the, the Bradford half, just outside the Bradford penalty area, actually. John Kelly has just been called a coach. It's a bit like the Times when they published the first Sparrow of Spring or whatever it is. Um, John Kelly's just been called a cunt for the first time this afternoon. We should, we should, maybe we should have like John Kelly bingo, the first one to call him a cunt. That's it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the award goes to uh, Alfie, uh, Alfie, Alfie. Uh, Alfie Irvine he, on Twitter. He wins the, the uh, call John Kelly a cunt. Yeah. So if everyone can congratulate him, that would be really appreciative. Well done, Alfie. All four coins, a little overhead kick there from Warrell towards Stevie Morrison. It's touched back by the, the 22 on 34 minutes. That was almost, um, that was a Johan Cruyff overhead back of the foot flick. The ball's passing around his own area. The goalkeeper has a panicky clearance there. Under pressure from Stephen Morrison. A little bit of middle pressure. Morrison now finds O'Brien inside the box. What can he do? Flicks it back. Almost falls to Warrell before he could pull the trigger. 35 minutes. Mill looking a lot more dangerous, a lot more incisive at the moment. 35 minutes. Little ball back into Sean Williams. There's a crunching header there from the Bradford defender to bring that away. A little bit of moment of a uh, little moment of mill pressure there. Looked good for a, a few seconds at least. Long walk, uh, wide left-hand ball to the 70s. Challenged Joe Martin and challenged him well and beat him. Martin's having a torrid time in that seven this afternoon, listeners. Looking very much the uh, second best in that little uh, tete-a-tete. A little bit of French for you there. I can speak Comorosian, I can speak French and Arabic. Then, why uh, you I, do the next five minutes in Arabic? <laughs> uh, I can count to three in Arabic. Uh, Moroccan Arabic. Wahed Zesh Taleta. Anything after that, I'm fucked. Three beers and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want beer, is <laughs> no, I'm into Spanish. Everyone, everyone knows bad ones. <laughs> <laughs> a bit of Moroccan Arabic there for your listeners. Another show, I'll tell you how I got to know that. Not on this one, though. Fantastic, thanks, Steve Morrison there. Retains possession, but finally cleared by the six. It puts it into touch. 37 minutes. Pressure, pressure, pressure from Millwall. Nothing decisive, but we're looking a lot more dangerous than we did in the first phase of the match. As ever, any danger looks like it's going to come through. Stephen, Algernon, Tarquin, Fintim, Lindim, Morrison. Our star ace striker. In the best, he's like a fine wine. He's in the best form of his life, really. And he's finally found the stage, the theatre. Um, I think I said in the previous show, some players never quite adapt to the idea that this is their theatre, this is their club. Some, uh, I'm thinking of Zach Whitbread here. Um, they have the best moments of their footballing lives here, but they can't accept it. Others come to that. I think Steve Morrison has come to that view late in his career, 33 years old now. But this is his stage, this is his club, and this is where he's shining the most. The other place he's been to, he's been to Norwich in the Premier League, he's been to Leeds, played for the Welsh international side, but this is his venue, this is his club, this is his time. It's interesting how the football careers go. A football career goes, listeners, isn't it? Bradford on the break, 39 minutes approaches. The four's got the seven overlapping here on the right-hand side. Shot blocked, brilliantly blocked by uh, Joe Martin there. That was a moment. One of those moments where you feared for the worst there. The six getting chased down by Aidan O'Brien to the derision of the uh, West Upper, Ben Thompson. Central part of the Bradford half. He plays it wide left. He's got Joe Martin. Martin finds him back again. On the left-hand side, Ben Thompson does a fantastic twist and turn. Can he get the cross in? He's checks. He's worked a little bit of space. That's a beautiful ball back across the box. Steve Morrison, little handball. Handball shout. That's not going to be given by the referee. Little header back by, by Steve Morrison. Ball fired in by Worrell on the, on the right-hand side. Now, this is Marlon. Big shout, as you can hear, for penalty. I didn't think so in real time, but the crowd 
being some le- somewhat less neutral than I have to be as a, as a respected podcaster. Thought it was a penalty. This is the seven on the break. 41 minutes. Coming down the right-hand side now. It's end-to-end stuff. Seven's got uh, one man forward. Can he find him? Marty's backed off him. That's a ball across the box. That's after that's in the net. Ball across the box. Fired it in the middle. Defender and just almost cleared off it into the net. 1-0 Bradford. 41 minutes. Watch the replay. Seven's going down the right-hand side. He, he challenges Martins. Backed off him a little bit. Ball across the box. It's gone in off of... Um, Who's that, Craig? I think he couldn't do much about it, in all honesty. He's caught, caught him inside the six-yard box. He's tried to clear it, and in the act of clearing it, it's gone into the net. 1-0 Bradford. Mill unlucky to be a goal behind, in all honesty. I'd say 0-0 would have been the fairer half-time score, but since when was there any fairness in this life, listeners? Since when was there any justice? Punted forward from the free kick as the 45th minute goes. He's nicely... Um, left by Worrell, retains possession on the left-hand corner flag, ball into the box, that's towards Shaw Williams, that's a fantastic save, fantastic save onto the roof of the net by the Bradford goalkeeper. One minute time allowed, so um, the corner may well be lost, gasp saloon of the first half, beautiful save there by the Bradford goalkeeper, little header back by Sean Williams, touched onto the roof of the net, little corner floated in this. What's that, pushing, pushing on O'Brien, Gives away a free kick. There goes a half-time whistle. Millwall nil, Bradford City one at half-time. Um, I think we're unlucky to be a goal behind there, but there we are. That's that's the way football goes. It's been a fairly even game for me overall. Two very different styles of play. Bradford with their passing. Us with our usual soak-up long ball style mix. So there we are. Can't think of much else to say about that at the moment. We're looking a little bit... Um, we're looking a little bit like uh, we need to take the game to them a little bit more often so um, perhaps we'll see that in the second half there it is we're going to be right back after these messages you're listening to Achtung Millwall so now listeners as you may know we're sponsoring the AMS the Association of Millwall Supporters Prediction League this season and the current standings after, um, well, I don't know how many games you played. It's been the fifth game, is it? Sixth game, something like that. In number one position, we're doing reversal like Miss World. In number five position is Spencer Sullivan on 33 points. Number joint third with Alfie and Conkers, I'm going to call him. There's a zero and a three now at 34, Alfie and Conkers. In second spot is Cusack on 36. Leading the way is Yanks for Wall. On 37, on the, I think on the 10th game of the season, we're going to do a giveaway T-shirt to whoever's leading at that stage. So play hard in the AMS Prediction League, and you may earn yourself an Akdung Millwall I Left My Heart Cold Blow Lane T-shirt of your choice from our website. So well done to those top five in the Prediction League at the moment. For more details, visit the AMS... Info. AMS, um, no, it's amsgroups.info amsgroups.info on the net and you, then if you want to join into prediction if you think you're good and you can catch up it's not too late but it's a separate registration if you're already an AMS member it's run by a separate company so you just need to create yourself a log on for the prediction and then obviously every Saturday make sure you get your predictions on and why not join the AMS whilst you're on, why, uh, on that yeah. website say that website again Mickey it's amsgroups.info amsgroups.info so yeah, log on to the AMS website, you can um, put your predictions in there for each week's games and you'll get like a real-time update on where you are in relation to your predictions. 
The wonder of the internet, dear listeners, the wonder of the internet. Meine Damen und Herren, Achtung! This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A few half-time tweets. You know you love it. You love it. You dirty cow. You love it. Mark Litchfield says a deserved lead for Bradford. Although completely different challenge to last year, they're moving the ball well with pace and creating chances. Grumpy McGrimmis says their goal was always going to come down our left. Martin has been exposed at the half. He has been exposed, Grumps. That's true. We need to rethink at half-time. Andrew MFC says this looks like we're playing with ten men. We haven't got close to Bradford for most of the game. Stefan Meinerhofer says Joe Martin's been totally unable to cope with a winger all day. He might as well be marking Messi. We have been wide open on that on that um, left-hand side. I do agree with you, Stefan. Mark Litchfield, again, he understands that Joe Martin is on a booking, but he's got to be making a challenge for that goal. He backed off and allowed them in. Uh, it did give them far too much time. Um, unlucky inside the six-yard box to go in off that uh, defender. I think it was Craig. Uh, I haven't checked that. Um, but there we are. Lions Bite says the same thing. Joe Martin having a mare. Bradford flooding left side. Bring on Noah Chesmain, says Lions Bite. Speaking earlier on BBC London Sport, uh, they tweeted Andy Amber's comments. I t- I've been taking a mick out of Andy. I, I like him, actually. He's, he's been fine for me. Um, Andy Amber, this is a very misunderstood football club. It gives so much back to the South East London community. Um, and he also went on to say he's never been more optimistic about the future. The chairmanship support is phenomenal, says Andy Ambler. Rather a sarcastic tweet here from Jamie, JG94. Says he doesn't like Wild, Greg Wild. He gets the ball and runs with it. He don't like it. He prefers players like Martin Wolford. <laughs> That's irony. Irony of the highest order there from Jamie. 
Taxi 67 says Aidan O'Brien needs to lose two stone. That's a lot. Two stone. Can't fucking run, says Taxi 67. He does look a little bit um, tired. A bit like me when I went for a run the other morning. The first time for a couple of months I went out. And, um, yeah, I, 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 had to, um, I had to pull up early and do it in little bursts, little little run and walk bursts, you know how it goes, listeners. My excuse is um, I'm over the age of 50. I'm probably carrying a couple of stuff and I don't do the professional football for my living. I don't know what Aiden's excuse is. Maybe he could come up with the same, same reasons. I don't know. Looks like it was um, Byron Webster who put the ball in there. Unlucky on Byron. So we've had a resurgence to defend our den um, thing again, Mick. Um out the blue really for most of us as fans the email popped into my inbox yesterday from Peter Garston saying once more we want to be uh, defending the den there's a, a meeting on Wednesday um, of Lewisham Council where the fate of the car park and the uh, line, line centre is going to be decided I, I find it I find it incompetently run as a campaign I'm going to be really honest you know last.minute.com as they say I totally agree with you Nick. I think it's you know if 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 we're honestly being made to believe that the club knew nothing about it until yesterday, um, we saw the article on Thursday. We released something Thursday night. Um, we emailed the mayor and the cabinet and a load of councillors Thursday. We've published an email on the website. What well, you've you've yeah, copied, yeah, added your yeah, bit. Yeah. All we say to fans is, look, even if it is done and dusted, there's still enough time to just put pressure pressure if on the politicians yeah, yeah if every fan whether you live in Lewisham or not yeah. just take the copy of the email it's pretty much written change it around a bit stick your own bit in there make it your own send it to them all the addresses are on there it's just literally copy and paste and just send it and then but look we can all sit there go on there and call them all a cunt it's not going to get us anywhere no, no. just keep it nice and just keep send them clean. an email yeah, yeah keep it clean keep it amicable just, just lift the website on, yeah. on the AMS website as a wording yeah. lift that you don't have to do more than that it's nice if you can add something in yeah. but if yeah. not just lift what you've got on there yeah just just basically what Millwall means to you yeah. you know the benefit it does what it makes you feel everything about it is what you want and to be fair this is a major development in an area where there's a club yeah. why aren't the club whether or not they fucked it up or not the council should be sitting there saying actually look let's work in partnership let's do it rather than bringing a company who we know is questionable yeah. okay I mean that's probably the best word for it without going into anyone sitting there slandering or anything else we know it's questionable but look we know that things can't go in the ground because they've got to pay shitloads of money but there's still enough even if look what people are going to understand is even if they make the decision on Wednesday for the CPO, it's still going to be... Compulsory purchase, the purchase of yeah, the land. Of it's the, still going to be a while after that yeah. before it's finalised because that's got to go to the Secretary of State yeah. to be ratified and everything killed. We've still got time to sit there and put pressure. Yeah. And I'm not being funny, what, there's six, seven, eight thousand season ticket holders or thereabouts. Yeah. If every single one of them stuck an email, I wouldn't want to be the Lewisham Council's email address. No, it, it, would, it would have an impact. We're going to park the bus of White how the club might created this mess, what's gone wrong. If I was running a campaign, if you was running a campaign, I would have done it terribly differently to so what, I, yeah. what we're seeing here, but there we are. Um, we, we are where we are, and we've got what we've got. But no, if, uh, listeners, ch um, ch go to the AMS website, full details on the, um, where to lift the, the wording, if you, if you and email to the councillors, the mayor, yeah. 
Uncle Tom Cobb. And if you want to know about it, just go on there and there's an Axon Mill special that we did, what, last yeah. year or earlier yeah, on this year. Go on there, all the documents, including the latest ones for the meeting, everything's in there in one place yeah. for you to have a read through and everything else. It's quite self explanatory. But look, email, make your voice heard, do it right, do it polite, because as soon as we turn it, we lose our effect. So it's Absolutely. just keep it nice, start ramming their email box full. Because if they're coming in every day and there's hundreds of emails saying, well, actually, we support this, why don't you work with it? They've got to sit there and listen. It makes a difference. Use Twitter as well. Keep it clean. Don't go on there calling people cunts. That don't get us anywhere. Even if you think they are, use Twitter. The politicians take a lot of notice of the amount of pressure that comes through social media. Make use of it in the right way. A lecture over. I think we'll probably leave it there. But visit the AMS website and um, get behind the club, even if it's its own worst enemy in many ways. Uh, the fans have got the, a chance to bring some influence to bear if on this still. Look, the petition's been out there for, what, two and a half years. If you haven't, for some reason, haven't signed it yet, yeah. then OK, sign it. Yeah. But it's already been handed in and whatnot, and, you know, we need a lot more on that. But, look, if you haven't signed it, sign it. But otherwise, just send an email. An email's going to be a lot more responsive. It's in their face instantly, Absolutely. and they can't get away from it. You're listening to Achtung Millwall. There we go. Anyway, second ways, second half's underway as we're talking. We missed a, yeah, we've, a, we've a missed, bit of a scoff shot. We've, we've missed nothing particularly so far. Um, 46 minutes, 47 minutes approaches. There we are. How we get into these situations is um, only, only Millwall can... There's a huge ball into the box there. It's bobbling around. It's, oh, fantastic save. Last shot from um, Wall. Or is it Wild? Wild is it on goal? Goalkeeper produced a fantastic Second fantastic save from that goalkeeper in the game. That was a real opportunity to blast home from close range there for uh, Greg Wild. That. That, that was a, the cross into the box. It went up high. Fell to Wild, uh, Wild I think it was. He blasted it. Point blank and the goalkeeper got down to it. Here's a corner as we're talking from the left-hand side. It's Williams in with the box. That's into the mix. That's come loose. Nice work there by... Wild's going to go for a, a, a Bradford free kick, a Bradford throwing. Marl gets into a terrible mix there. Tries to overhead kick it into his own head. Kind of thing I would do if I was still playing football. I was never any good. I would, I would do that kind of thing. I'll try and kick it. We've still got out. the uh, Gary Alexander invite, <laughs> haven't we? <laughs> yeah, Gary, Gary invited me to try and recreate his wonder goal at, at Wembley after um, a poor choice of question words. I've not taken him up on that opportunity as yet. I may never do. Just one from while they're sitting there with play. That little girl below us, she's had a blinding game here, really. She's, she's, she's got a programme, she's had the kids sign it and all yeah, that. Yeah, a couple of selfies down there playing. Exactly. So why the fuck put the kids up there? Oh, madness, isn't it? Ball in the box. This is Joe Mike from distance. Go! Won it! Joe Marcy! Distance from... Shot from distance! Wonderful! Fantastic! Ball forwards, falls to Joe Martin on the edge of the penalty area. He drills it home just outside the D of the penalty area. Fantastic goal. Let's watch the replay. Deep free kick ball from Sean Williams. It falls down from the header. Martin drills it home. Unstoppable shot. Low to the right-hand corner. Beautiful goal, Joe Martin. He redeems himself after that mirror of the first half. one all. Nicely done. Anyway, one all. The crowd are into this. We've now got a game on our hands. 
We've got a grey, cooling day with rain in the air at the den. What better place would you want to be, wherever you are in the, the dry wastes of the Serengeti, the western coasts of Australia, or the far north of Alaska? You want to be down at den on a cold grey afternoon. At one all with us surging forwards to try and win three points. That's where you want to be. Nice passing move, he's offside. Forwards four was a yard offside there. I spotted that, and thankfully the linesman spotted it. Disallowed goal, 53rd minute. It's a strange sight, there's, there's a Bradford fan. I think he's offering boats out over him. <laughs> he's, he's doing some kind of um, Dickie Bird type impression at the moment. I'll, I'll give him about 10 minutes outside, will you? <laughs> I, I think he's psyched, he's psyched this boat. I think he's got some Vitus's dance. This oh, boat. yeah, isn't he? <laughs> the object of amusement let's, let's put it that way already. So there's a, 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 I think he's on the old buzz he's on the buzz he's psyched he's come down to Millwall bit he's buzzed he keeps, up he keeps grabbing his cock and sort of flashing towards I, it as if I like, think he does know, that like, a lot I think he's, doing, that, doing, he's doing that a lot is that he's what doing. they do in Northern Towns <laughs> <laughs> any road Millwall free kick don't mention Rotherham 54 minutes left hand side it's going to be um, Worrell takes deep 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 it's on target let's go straight to the goalkeeper the three coming down the left-hand sides. Tackled well there by Worrell. Nice work, Worrell. The sevens look dangerous with Bradford all after. Here he is on the left-hand side. <coughs> he got clipped there on the way through. Marlon's up against him here. Marlon's trying to contain him. Push him into the corner. It's gone out of the It's a throw-in. And he ain't happy. Well, where's the lines where he didn't see that? It, was, it went out play. Craig, Craig took him on the way through, he's going to draw a yellow. The referee obviously allowed play to continue. He certainly took him out of the game on that move. As it is, it's a mill throwing down below us. 62nd minute. It's all go, it's all go, listeners. Beautiful run through there by Worrell. He's got Morrison overlapping. He ain't got the pace, has he? No. Defender put it out there. No, a bit of lack of pace there by Worrell. He just had to hit it when... Um, Someone with a stronger Jason pace would have took that through, wouldn't they? That was Aiden O'Brien chasing it, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, no, he didn't have, a, have the pace at all. Flags blowing in the breeze. It's, a, it's been a, a funny old day in some respects. Certainly there's, there's rain in the air. Now the wind is blowing in strongwards, running across from towards the docker stand from the, uh, from the west side. Little substitution. Fred's coming in. Who's coming out? That's um, O'Brien coming up. No, it's... Um, sorry, excuse me. It's Wilde. Greg Wilde coming up. Wilde getting some good applause there, Mick. I oh, he's done a fair job. Done a fair job today. Put himself around a lot. Some nice crosses, some nice passing. So, uh, yeah, deserving applause. Marlon penalised for diving. Uh, he looked like he got clipped as he ran through there. Livermore is spalling out the fourth official. Referee's given him a yellow for diving. Free kick to Bradford. 65 minutes. That was harsh. This is going to be the four. Over on the right-hand side. He's dispossessed beautifully with a plum. With a plum by Ben Thompson. Thompson retains possession, gets himself balked. And wins a free kick. Beautiful work by Ben Thompson there, well Mick. Well done there, mate. Yeah. For a little fella. Too easy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Big word, mate. We've got French oh, words, we've got Arabic <laughs> words, and now we've got that word. Tenacious. That I'll, I'll let you say it, because there's no way I'm going to say it. I have an image to keep up <laughs> You do. This is Fred on the edge of the penalty. Does a nice turn. Gets dispossessed by the Bradford defender there. It's going to go through for uh, to the goalkeeper, actually, on the, on the, on the byline. 68 minutes approaches. Referee's getting a little bit whistle happy. There's a number uh, eight down now. Crowd howling at that decision. He's rolling around clutching his shin. There's Thompson in the mixer. Rain's starting to drive down a little bit more now. 
as we go into the last 18 minutes of the match. Still one each, and it's anybody's game at the moment, in all honesty. Um, Bradford persisting with his passing style, whilst we are far more rough and ready and direct. This possession by Steve Morrison, just outside the edge of the penalty. He finds Worrell left, he's overhit that pass. Worrell does keep it in, just nicely done by Worrell there. Done a good job there, he's going to try and get the ball floated back into the mix. He finds us, Fred! Wide at the right-hand post, 72 minutes. Headed downwards, but too far wide. Yeah, there have been a few stories online, Mick, about the new shirts. People paying, obviously, big money for these shirts. Big money. Uh, big money, and the badges coming off, and the numbers coming off the back, and um, but poor, the bad, the poor bad, quality. But allegedly, the badge is sewn on, but the actual transfer of the line isn't. So, that's well, a sticker. Well, they showed a video. It, it looks like it's ironed on almost. Yeah, yeah. Like the old school, you know, 70s iron-on things. Whereas the, the area logo is, is embroidered yeah, on. Yeah, But last year, it was sewn on. And, but I've and seen you know kids buying shirts and then the badges falling off after five minutes. Yeah, no. One or two washes, ball yeah. into the box there, it's over hit. Um, that's very poor quality. I think there's some of the club ought to be picking up on. If you have a problem, just let us know, obviously on the Twitter. Yeah. And I will raise it at the next. You know, if you give me details on that, I will raise it at the next MSC meeting um, because. There doesn't seem to be loads of people complaining. So if we've got some names and some yeah. documentation of it, I'll raise it at the MSC and it's got to be raised. Absolutely. It's got to do because... These things ain't cheap. Well, just 70 quid for a kid's kit. Absolutely, absolutely. And you wash it. I mean, if you read the washing instructions, yeah. 30 degrees, don't wash it with anything else, don't yeah. hang it with anything, keep yeah. it not folded, all of that. Yeah. It's a fucking football shirt. It's supposed to be, you know... It's rough and ready, isn't it? Isn't it? It's supposed yeah. to be. So there we are. Let Mickey know via the AMS or the MSC for that matter. If your experience of the uh, area kit, or your family's experience of it, is less than ideal. There's Sean Williams, central midfield. Fred touches it back. He finds Steve Morris inside the box. No space. Offside, offside. 76 minute. Morris was trying to work some space. Given offside. This is Fred on the edge of the penalty. He wins space. Last ditch challenge by the Bradford defender, just as Fred was going to pull the trigger now. Headed down by Steve Morrison, finds Fred. Almost worked the space to get the shot on goal. Twists and turns, and the fantastic challenge, in all honesty, by the Bradford defender at the last moment. 79 and a half minutes gone, listeners. Here goes Fred again, down the middle. He's got um, Worrell overlapping him. He finds Worrell on the right-hand side, 80 minutes. Worrell's crossing into the box. Doesn't fall kindly to anybody. It's bouncing around. This is Joe Martin from the edge. He stumbles, he falls. He's still in there. And the referee gives it the other way. How can he give it that way? How's of fucking abuse around me? Rightly so. He's stumbling forwards, trying to work space. If anything, he's been contacted by the, um, the Bradford defence and they get the free kick. How does that work? You can hear what the real crowd thinks of that. Aiden O'Brien Central puts the through ball, trying to find Fred on the left-hand side. Very tight angle, back across the box. No one there. Worrell was coming in, but it's too, um, too near the defender. 82nd minute, nice move. 85 minutes on the clock now. Worrell involved in the shoulder, shoulder, and the referee gives yet another decision to Bradford. The crowd down there howling for his blood. Everything is going their way. Mill getting nothing, Bradford getting everything. You heard this song before, listeners? 92nd minute, 90 plus two, as you put it. It's going to be a Mill free kick. It's going to be Sean Williams to take right-hand side, just inside their half. He can score from that distance, but he might be ambitious to take it on be a cross Byron's forward Morrison's forward it's floated forward by Williams it's flicked on that's almost put in his own net it's gone over the bar 
panic moment there by the uh, defender, puts it over his own bar, it's going to be a more corner. Diving in there by Byron, nothing comes from that, a little bit of an appeal for something, but not going to get it, a huge pump of a clearance. Romeo's chasing that back. Overhead kick, that was madness, into the box, that was inexperienced. Free break for defenders, this is a real panic moment, it's going to be the four, he's hit the post! Fucking hell! Fucking hell! Fucking hell! Inexperienced move by Marlon Romeo, can see late. If he had literally been, look, if he'd have been an inch out, he'd have not been in the net. Mental, mental stuff, it hits the post. The four blasts, well, from point black range, it's the post. There's the end of the game. Fucking hell, what a finish. Um, one all. Fair result? Yeah, yeah, fair result. Um, two very different style sides. Committed game, end-to-end stuff. Both teams probably would say they should have won it. Um, for me, that probably was a fair result in the day. Mental, mental finish there with uh, Marlon Romeo doing a, a lunatic overhead kick out of defence straight into the path of three oncoming Bradford forwards. And we got lucky. We, we were caught a break there. But just thanks to Mickey. No, thank you. Thank you, Nick. Thanks for uh, not coming out tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting dug out for not going on the beer with Mickey. Um, I'm going to go around and see uh, Lions TV and do a little interview. We'll be back after this, the break with uh, Mr. Omar Ronane. Meine Damen und Herren, Achtung, Milwei. Are you tired of having no voice at Millwall? Then why not join the AMS, the Association of Millwall Supporters? The AMS is an independent fan group, meaning they're not directly affiliated with the football club, and therefore they aim to truly represent the fans' best interests. To join the AMS, visit amsgroups.info. That's amsgroups.info. Or if you're on Twitter, go to at a underscore m underscore s underscore group and they will be happy to answer your inquiries. Alright, huge welcome on the show. First for a little while, Omar Ronane. Welcome back, Omar. Thanks for having me on next. Been a little while, but looking forward to today. Yeah, um, good game yesterday. Um, I don't know what you made of it, Omar, but I, I actually enjoyed that contest yesterday. It was a clash of two very different styles, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, when you when we played Bradford for the last couple of seasons, we kind of expect the old tough, uh, mighty approach up front, direct approach, like how we kind of play. Yeah. But um, when I saw James Hansen wasn't in the team, I've not really seen much of Bradford this season. Obviously, they've just had a good start to the season. I was thinking, what kind of team are we going to see today? But to be fair to them, they were knocking it around in the first half in particular. I was thinking, is this is this actually Bradford or is this another team? Cause it didn't look like Bradford, did it? I mean, <laughs> it my, really my first clue in the week, I think Mark Litchfield posted uh, not to expect the old, um, lump it forward to the, the big boys up front, Bradford. And they, in fairness, I mean, I hadn't realised they'd changed manager as well. Was it Stuart McCall now, isn't it? In charge? Yeah, they got Stuart McCall. I think uh, obviously Phil Parkinson's renowned for what he's doing, and obviously he's gone to Bolton and done the same thing there. But 
Oh, yeah, it was pleasantly surprised, to be fair. It's, it's obviously easy on the eye because I thought after a while they'd probably get sick and tired of what Phil Parkinson done. So, yeah, it was, <laughs> it, was, yeah it was an interesting game anyway, but, yeah, not bad. It was. I mean, I, I, I thought they looked a decent side, in all honesty. I mean, I, mean, I, I think they'll be contenders. Um, I suppose the only criticism, um, if, if that's the right word, from from for that style of play is it can lack a little bit of um, incisiveness. And, the, I mean, the percentage, um, possession percentage were very much in their favour. I mean, overall, it was what, 42, 58%. I know that's never a guide, but with that amount of possession, you'd want you'd want more out of the game if I was if I was managing Bradford anyway. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I think it's kind of obviously it's even though that's the style of play they're looking to play, it also suits our kind of style where we like to kind of sit back. I know at times like the fans might get a bit nervous, especially at home where we're kind of sitting back. We're not really putting a foot in so early mm. on, but if, as long as they've got the ball in their defence, they're not really causing any harm to us. It's kind of worth to remember that. I mean, it's kind of the style of play that we kind of play: sit back, wait for them to come onto us, and then hit them on the break. So it suited us in a way. Classic Millwall style in the last couple of seasons. I mean, I, I, I you know, I'm with you. I, I think that um, patience is required for that kind of. Um, it's almost playing the away the away tactics at home, and I know people get get critical of that, but it was an effective approach yesterday because they were always going to pass the ball well, and, they, and so they did. I, I thought they looked um, very comfortable with the ball. The the seven, I think, is it, is it Marshall? Um, yeah, on the right hand side, I think. Yeah, he uh, had a decent game himself. Decent game. Mind, a bit of a torrid <laughs> time of it, mate, didn't he? I mean, it, I thought they always looked threatening, and especially in the first half. Um, to a degree, in the second half, it was it was almost the reverse in the second as what it was in the first because. Um, during the course of that first half, I thought we were unlucky to go behind. But that said, they did have plenty of possession, and they looked very dangerous down the left, their right, our left. Yeah, I think what was a changing point was the second half. Ben Thompson and Sean Williams seemed to get foothold in the game. I think their midfielders were kind of just passing them by, playing the ball around them, and they kind of didn't have a chance to get on the ball. I think what changed in the second half was obviously they seemed a bit more up for it. Thompson putting in a couple of tackles as he tends to do so, yeah. and um, it just it seemed to play in our favour. They kind of got against a, a run of play. I mean, the other thing to say yesterday, Omer, is it was, I mean, it wasn't quite a threat. I think I described it in my live review um, as a threadbare mill side. It wasn't quite a threadbare, but certainly we're missing one or two um, big names. I mean, Ferguson's away on on um, international duty. Um, I'm not sure whether I could call Abdu a star name, but I, I will do for the purposes of our show. Uh, he's also away on, the, on, on international duty. And, of course, Lee Gregory out injured. So, you know, we're missing certainly two um, first-choice picks there and one possible. Um, so to you could argue Sean Hutchinson as well sorry just to Hutchinson, obviously Hutchinson yeah. probably starter in this 11 at the minute but yeah I mean it was good to see obviously a few different players come in and perform I suppose like the likes of Greg Well done okay I thought I'm still kind of on the fence about him to be honest yeah, I thought he looked okay. I think probably that's 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 the best um, you know the best that um, we can say on on that showing. That was his first start, wasn't it, um, for yep. the season? So he, he did he did he did well enough. Let's put it that way. Um, and also another player out is, is the new signing Butcher. I don't know whether he will fit in as a as a first choice um, pick in that side, but certainly we're, we're carrying a few injuries. So for me, I don't know about you, Omer, but I thought for us to be contenders in in that kind of game against. A team that I believe will be up there in certainly top six, and who knows else, you know, where elsewhere. I thought that was a pretty good performance overall by Millwall. Yeah, I have to agree. I mean, like I said, it's it's not some of our football's not easy on the eye, but I thought we kind of coped well with what they were throwing at us. Bear in mind they've not lost this season as well; they've not conceded many goals either. So I think it was a good kind of result for us. Where do you stand, Omer, on the Aidan O'Brien question? I, you know, there's, there's a there's a there's a hoo ha on the internet um, around the various. Um, 
locations about how how fit he looks. He look he he he. he, he I like Aiden O'Brien. I want to set my stall out from the start. I, I wasn't I'm convinced by him yesterday. Particularly, it wasn't his best game for us. But um, I don't think he deserves some of the, um, the the criticism that he gets at times. He looked a little bit like I think Neil Harris said in his post match comments, like one or two players that like they've had a, a hard month, and he, he he was one of them. I thought. Yeah, I mean, what I find surprising is I think on the, we've had obviously eight or nine games in the cup competitions in the league. I think O'Brien's the only player up front, particularly in the midfield and up front, that started every single game. I can't remember him missing actually a game or sitting on the bench or any of them. I think he started like every single game. So, I mean, to say it's caught up with him, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. I mean, Harris has come out quite often criticising the schedule we've had in August. So, yeah. I mean, with O'Brien himself, uh, he hasn't... He looks like he's bulked up over the summer. He looks like that kind of player that could potentially win a few balls in the air. And he seems to improve that kind of side of his play. But I think he's just not got the speed that Gregory gives us when he plays up front. And at times, it just felt like we was missing. There was a few times Morrison wins a flick on and you're thinking, OK, Gregory would have been on the end of that. Obviously, O'Brien's not. But I guess that's a bit of an understanding as well that needs to be formed. I mean, O'Brien's definitely a valid third choice. If you said to me, O'Brien would be your player that comes in for Gregory when Gregory's injured, it's, I don't think it's... The worst choice to have. No, I agree. We could do a lot worse, that's for sure. Um, it, uh, we've said it before, and we might as well say it again. He always looks like a player in search of a position, Omer, doesn't he? Mm. Um, he's not really a winger. He's not really, uh, for me, he's not a natural um, attacking kind of midfielder on the right side. Um, and he doesn't look quite as comfortable in his in his striking role as Lee Gregg does. When he's, uh, Gregory looks like a natural goal hunter, natural goal sniffer. Um, and he brings other things, the physicality into his game as well. Yeah, I think um, O'Brien's probably... It's, it's really difficult to find a place for him in the, in the team. But I think if you look at his strengths, he's kind of he's a ball carrier. He likes to pick up the ball and run at players. But then he's not obviously got the ability to be a winger and put a ball in the box, as you would expect. So it is a difficult position to kind of find for him. But obviously, I think what he's done well at is he's, he's very good at kind of putting pressure on the players. He doesn't stop running. And to be fair, even though he looked like he might have been a bit tired yesterday, he did last the whole 90 minutes and kind of give his all for the whole 90 minutes. If, if, if he's having a bad game, that's kind of all we're looking for to kind of make up for. Yeah, he did. I mean, when when Fred came into the game, sixty five minutes, he came on for um, Greg Wilde, didn't he? Um, in it, my first instinct, when well, here comes Fred in for Aidan O'Brien, but um, the manager called it, um, you know, for Wilde, um, which maybe was the correct choice in in retrospect. I don't know, but um, I must admit, um, he, he did last the game, which surprised me yesterday because I, mm. I thought he would have been a you know the obvious um, replacement. In, in, when you're looking to change it in the second half yeah I mean it's, it's a difficult one obviously because I think Wilde was tiring he looked like he obviously ran his course as well so I think I think O'Brien offers something obviously he's worth having on there because he can produce that little bit of magic absolutely absolutely. So he's one of those yeah. players that it's a little bit of a wow factor but he did notice the difference with Fred coming on the pace he had up front putting the pressure on the Bradford defenders I, I enjoy seeing Fred improve. I mean, you know, we, we've we've covered the Fred thing a few times, but yesterday I thought was one of his more effective um, cameos he's had. He's not started for us in any game of note anyway um, this season. And at, at times earlier on this season, I thought he looked like a little bit lost, and we said so on this on this show. But yesterday, I thought he actually looked a bit more effective, Omer. I thought he, he actually showed a little bit of hint of promise there. Yeah, he's getting better, I believe. I think, obviously, Gregory's going to be the first choice next to Morrison, but I think he does provide a valid option to play up front, if not on the wing, of course. But I think 
he's easily used as a scapegoat at times, and yeah. I, I can understand that because towards the end of last season, he wasn't anywhere near the player he showed in the first 10, 15 games of the season. But at his age, you're going to get them kind of performances, and he is a couple years behind the likes of O'Brien, who's been in the team for a little while, or at least around the first team for a bit. So I think for Freds, it's important to remember he's obviously only 19 years old, I think, still. So there's still a lot more to come from him. And I think, in my opinion, he can be a player that can be a valid option up front. Would you use him as a striker, Omar? I right? think so. I Rather than the wing? I don't know, because we don't play to... I think the ideal position is the so-called number 10 in modern football, where you've got, obviously, the likes of a Hazard, for example, at Chelsea, where they kind of just float around and do what they like. We don't really play to that style, so to speak. We obviously no. play a rigid 4-4-2, and it's give it to Morrison. Hopefully, he wins a flick on. So, it's a difficult one. But if you're looking into our current system, I think he probably does suit playing up front, if that's the best position for it. So, I think Harris ain't going to change in a hurry to fo- away from 4-4-2. No, you, you need players of real quality to give them, to give them an open brief like that. I'm not sure that in League One terms, there's many players around that can really, you know, you could say go out and do what you want. It's it's not that kind of league. It's no. not that kind of um, level, is it? Um, fantastic early save to keep us in the game by Jill Narcher, who obviously signed a a new contract earlier this week. He he, he I, I think he's a, a top quality goalkeeper personally. Um, but that was a, a brilliant instinct to save about eight or nine minutes in. I think there was a header straight at point-blank range, wasn't there, from Bradford? Uh, yeah, yeah, of course. I think Archer is one of those ones that he's, he did obviously tailor off a little bit at the start of the season when this whole thing of whether he's going to sign a contract or not. But there's no doubt at his age, he's definitely one of the best goalkeepers to have at this level, essentially even in the championship. So it's very, very good news that he signed a contract. It looks like Gregory is muted that he's potentially going to sign a contract. I won't hold out until he's actually signed on the paper. But no, no. It's, it's definitely it's promising that it's obviously played are committing to us I mean Archer clearly as a player that he can be worthy of playing further up in the future Absolutely I mean the um, the, the early early phase of the game it was we were pretty much on the back foot um, getting torn a new backside down that left side Joe Martin I believe was playing injured I, I must admit we you don't get these backstories prior to the game but he had some kind of shoulder injury which possibly explained his nervousness um, against the, um, the, the the seven going down the right it, I that, leaving that to one side, he was wildly at fault for the for the goal. I thought he just he just kind of gave him way too much space for the cross into the box there, Omar. Yeah, I mean, Martin's one of those players. I think in the playoff, he'd done the same thing where he scored his free kick and he was having a clangor. He gave away the penalty in the first 10 minutes. Yeah, and yeah. He was playing injured or playing with the flu at the time, I believe. So he's one of those players that seems to just obviously get on with it and wants to play, which is the right mentality to have. But I was really disappointed to not see Noah Cheeseman play again. Um, or yeah. Main. I'm not sure how you say his name. Yeah. But um, in pre-season in particular, and obviously played on Tuesday night he seems to be grabbing the headlines for someone that could be potentially the one that can take his place and he is a very very quick left back and kind of fits the mold of Marlon Romeo and if we're going to play that kind of style where we have fullbacks getting forwards it's, I was kind of disappointed that we didn't give him a chance I suppose against a team like Bradford and we saw how good the number seven was maybe Harris was aware of obviously the threat that might be coming so I mean it's a tricky one to obviously see who he would have chosen but it's a shame that we ain't seen Chesman just yet in the league Maybe later on. I mean, it was it was a game for an experienced player. Yeah. Maybe that's that was Harris's thought process. Even an injured um, Joe Martin up against players at that quality. But I must admit, the first half I, I feared the worst. I mean, the, there wasn't a huge amount. I think that Webster could have done. The ball was fired into the box. Quite a nice cross. Kind of caught him on 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 the hop slightly, and he couldn't couldn't keep it out of the net. And that was. That was unlucky on the lines. Well, it was harsh on the lines to concede in that way. I didn't think we deserved to go in a goal down. I thought the nil-nil at half-time was a fairer reflection of the half. 
Yeah, I mean, obviously Bradford were on top for the majority of the half, but we did kind of stand up to it pretty well. And anything that came our way, we seemed to deal with it. Obviously, Archer made a good save early on, as we alluded to. Yeah. And um, I think we was kind of unlucky. And obviously, I think Archer saved that shot. And then obviously, just as he's tapped it around, it's obviously Webster's kind of just there and it's hit him and gone in. So yeah. it's unfortunate, but obviously... We came back in the second half the perfect way. And Joe redeemed himself, Omer, didn't he? That was a fantastic strike. I mean, that's his... That's his uh, I know. I believe Chesmaine also has a reputation for um, a fierce shot, but certainly Joe um, set the matters to right with that, that beautiful strike in, in real time. I thought that was a fantastic-looking goal. He just seemed to really hit it, didn't he? I mean, yeah. obviously, I don't know if he's going to aim for the bottom left corner in that situation, but it's a finish that I think any player in the team would have been proud of. I mean, he just kind of obviously took it down and just put it in the corner I mean the perfect kind of goal to make up for a poor first half from him we look much brighter in the second half I think you know you, you've touched on the reasons why earlier on I think we're just much quicker to the ball and it was a lot more Millwall direct wasn't it in that second half and we had chances to um, to go ahead and I thought we you know on, on, on the balance of that um, we probably deserved something out of the game I mean that uh, Neil Harris after the game said that both teams probably um, you know that both teams had chances to win it and lose it I suppose so in the end, a, a draw was a fair result for you. Would you would you agree with that, Omar? Yeah, I mean, uh, I suppose we're both we're even side. I think I think we gave them a good run for their money, and I think they also put us under pressure early on, obviously. Yeah. But the second half, it was pretty much all us, barring that little spell towards the end. So, I think definitely a point was a fair result for us. Madhouse of a last minute, wasn't it, with Marlon um, having a rush of blood to his head? doing a bizarre overhead kick from defence um, straight into the path of the oncoming Bradford forward line. I must admit my heart was in my mouth at that moment. Yeah, you did kind of fear the rust, obviously, sometimes like that. And that was actually a, a save. I, I had In real time, I missed this, but um, Archer pushed it onto the post. So touch of fortune, touch of skill to, to get us out of a hole there. Again, um, I, I, I was speaking to the uh, Lions TV yesterday, to Danny on, on Lions TV, and I... I I feel that Marlon is is a, a great prospect. He he does lack experience at times, though. The mental decision making there was was wayward, wasn't it? Yeah, that's, that's what they say these days. When you get kids in the team, you're going to get the occasional lapse of concentration or something stupid to happen. Obviously, he didn't plan for that to happen at all. But um, it, no. I think with Romeo, <laughs> you hope not. <laughs> <laughs> but I think with Romeo, he's he's. I think he's one of those players that he he's he's definitely made the right by position his own and he's he's gone on strengths and and every time you see him he just looks better and better. I think he's been under a little bit of pressure, but what makes him such a good player for me is just obviously if he makes a mistake, he's got the pace to kind of get back into place and so to speak. And I think with that pace he's got, it's just it gets him out of trouble quite a lot as well. So I think definitely he's one of those players that's almost destined obviously he's got to work and earn for it but he's destined to play in the high divisions in the future in my opinion oh, I, I agree with that he's a fantastic prospect I, I noticed earlier on in the game he he tried an overhead defensive clearance in the same style and he did what I used to do at school which was kick the ball and kick it straight into my own head and it was one of those <laughs> I'm not putting myself in the same sentence as, as um, Marlon Romeo incidentally listeners but I was useless and um, I, I recognised I was useless <laughs> so I, I think that played on his mind and I think he was trying to just get that move right late in the game and it, it almost um, you know finished in a woeful way for him but um, we got out of a we caught a break there we got out of a bit of a hole because I don't think we deserved to lose that game and that would have been well it was almost a gifted goal wasn't it in, 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 at the finish there correct yeah so I mean like I said point was fair enough for us and luckily we got away from that mistake let's raise the the difficult question of refereeing Omar. I, I, I thought the referee yesterday was 
um, as close to being biased as I've, I, you know, I know we all as fans always see it from our, through our prism. Um, but there are moments where decisions were going against us, and honestly, I couldn't see, I couldn't see how you could reach that conclusion fairly. I mean, I, I, these are these are big things to say. I, I appreciate, but there was one one run I remember. I think it was Joe Martin making a run kind of across the edge of the penalty area, and he's got clipped, and somehow the the um, Bradford defenders got a free kick. It. it it does make you wonder. I'm just looking at there's a a, a meme or whatever they call it on on um, Twitter doing around Mark Housey, Premier League referee, um, making some fairly big allegations about refereeing and spot fixing and you know matters of that kind. But the referee yesterday was absolutely awful. Let's 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 leave it at that. Um, I thought it was poor refereeing. What did you make of him, mate? <laughs> this is one of those where you can't really you don't want to say too much because it's just a re- it's crazy how I think he has that kind of mentality so this modern day referee I think he wants to try and obviously I think it's the mentality we always talk about they come to Mill or they want to try and control the game and show their authority and I think what stuck with me early on and kind of got me rubbed me up the wrong way was mm. when there was a free kick in the far corner when the player picks up the ball thinking it went out for a throw in yeah. and then Archer places the ball down yeah. and literally has to move it one inch to the left for the referee to be happy and he's halfway up the pitch. And it's, it's one of those referees where he's, obviously you can tell he likes to kind of keep hold of the game and show his worth. And I think I was looking yesterday because I was interested to see because I'm that kind of person. A bit weird. It might, maybe a bit weird if you're... <laughs> it's if, all coming out here, listeners. But, you know, a bit weird, but he's the kind of... He's, throughout the season, he obviously gave a few yellow cards, but he's only managed seven games so far this season. He's gave out 35 yellow cards. So he's the kind of referee that likes to show his authority, I think. And... I think it was it was some shocking decisions yesterday. I think, in my opinion. Yeah, I, mean, I think you're right. I think you know it's it's pretty much um, um, whether it's a, a Millwall kind of um, thing or not. I don't know, but we certainly do seem to have referees coming to us wanting to show who the governor is and who's boss at this this place. Um, yesterday, I, I don't, I didn't know what to make of it. As I say, I mean, maybe we'll park it there. It's one of the worst referees I've seen. In uh, in a long time, purely because there was no consistency to the decision making, it struck me that um, every time we had the ball, there was a you know the, if there was any opportunity to give Bradford a free kick, he would he would give it to them. So um, let's let's hope these things get picked up on now that Andy Ambler is moving on to the FA's um, ga- game <laughs> game management relationships, whatever the oh, on yeah. earth that that's all about. I don't know, but it is a source of constant frustration um, for us. Fourth in the t- with Andy Durso next week anyway. <laughs> Fourth <laughs> in the table at the moment. I know it's still early days. The table is not yet taking shape, but um, clearly we see ourselves as top six contenders. I, Bolton and Bradford are top at the moment. Millwall, Millwall fourth. Um, probably only about the ten at the ten game mark. Do you really see a table that starts to reflect how the the season might pan out? But um, apart from the aberration of a Peterborough uh, game, I, I think we're looking certainly top six contenders. Yeah, I think you can't argue with that. I mean, barring a Peterborough game, we'd have a much better goal difference. We'd have a much better goals against Colum, obviously. And it's the only blip we've had so far this season. And I think what you need to bear in mind is obviously Gregory's had his poor start to the season and we do rely on him quite heavily. But we do. Morrison's coming as well and obviously he's done a job. He's got six and six, I think, in the league and that's what you kind of look for. And obviously, once Gregory's back, I think we should only be hoping for more than what we've already seen. Who would you take as your man of the match yesterday, Omar, out of yesterday's performance? 
It's tough to pick one, but I think mm. being a rear guard performance, I know he obviously the own goal is going to go on his name, but uh, Bayern Webster just seems to impress me every time I see him play now. And obviously, I remember coming on at the start of last season and thinking, are we actually ever going to see Bayern Webster in a middle shirt again? Is he going to do well for us? But he's just he seemed to turn around and be the man mountain that we really need at the back. And I think next to Tony Craig, obviously Craig gets he's a bit of stick, but I think with Webster there, he's almost to me he's almost the captain there. You see him barking orders out all the time, and he's the perfect player for us. And definitely impressed me again yesterday. Byron is a great example of how Neil Harris and the Millwall organisation um, have have kind of built a reputation for developing players. I mean, that's also Lee Gregory would include him in that in the same um, category. But Byron certainly has made a journey, hasn't he? I mean, when when he appeared, yeah, you're right. I, I didn't think we. I thought we'd signed a dud, I'd send him back to Yeovil, all that kind of stuff. Now he's a must pick, and he's a man. I mean, I. I I take your point about yesterday. Actually, I didn't notice his defensive performance. Maybe that's an example of how good it was. You, you didn't notice it. Um, sounds contradictory, but um, I think he's a fantastically um, promising player for the future. Um, more power to his elbow. I mean, it's just great to see. Yeah, of course. And obviously, there was a few more standouts yesterday, but for me, Webster was maybe the one that we needed the most yesterday to help us get over the line. I won't disagree with you. I'd also, I mean, as, as ever, as always, we always name Steve Morrison up front. The man is, um, I, I compared him to being like a fine wine. He's matured in a way and he's got an all-round kind of quality to his game, especially at League One level, that he's a real ace card up our sleeve, isn't he? I, I thought it was a, another Steve Morrison game yesterday for me up front. Yeah, always he's, available. He's the Millwall Marmite, isn't he? You either love him or hate him, to be honest. And <laughs> Millwall think, Marmite. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it, I think, for me. Because obviously... Like when we was at Peterborough and stuff like that, he's the first to turn around to the fans and kind of when we're, when we're upset, obviously, and we're losing 5 1, he's the first to turn around and obviously say, Why are you booing us and all that kind of stuff? Because he just wants to be Morrison, he wants to be out there and be different. But his know how, his ability to see out games, he, he's probably the most, if not obviously Webster, but up front, Morrison's probably the most important player in our team. I think what was interesting last week, I ran a poll on my Twitter. I'm not going to say go to my Twitter and have a look at it. Go, but, go, um, what's your Twitter handle? Go, give, give, it, give it a bash, mate. I'm not going to say it, but obviously it's my cool. whole name. So it's just at Omaronane MFC. But um, last week, what was the debate in the pub before Chesterfield was, obviously no one wanted to lose Gregory, but who's more important in our team, Morrison or Gregory? And I thought, okay, I'll take this to Twitter. And I think I got nearly 300 votes and it was 65% in favour of Morrison. So obviously that's only a little small amount of middle fans but it's it's Morrison is very important to our team and I think that highlights the obviously obviously he went on to score two goals at Chesterfield as well so he is very very important to our team and how obviously Harris wants to play another little um you know almost a goal in the first half yesterday a little little um cheeky little lob from from distance he's, he's getting a bit of a taste for those kinds of long distance um efforts i think he scored a similar one up at um was it at, was it at Chesterfield he scored the lob there was a, yeah he scored a, it's a classic Morrison where he's just on goal and the keeper's out and he just chipped it over him I think obviously he's tried it a few times to score from the halfway line these days and obviously Williams only done it once and buried it the first time so obviously he's got a bit of work to do to kind of keep up with Williams's ideas come on Morrow you're behind in the in the chip, chipping from the halfway line stakes mate you've got to get on, on board there fantastic stuff um, I, I think I'd also want to name um, Ben Thompson yesterday I thought we I mean he didn't have a, such a great first half but his, um, his energy and drive in midfield yesterday certainly turned the second half in our favour um, and it's good to see him getting back into something like the, the form that we expect that kind of terrier like snapping hard tackling uh, and, and actually quite good on the ball as well with it so yeah. I just want to name uh, Ben Thompson as a, as, as another mentioned the in only dis- dispatches thing was, 
Thompson that gets me just a little bit. Obviously, he's he's very important in our midfield, and I would name him the team every single week. Not a problem, and we all love Ben Thompson. It's just the tendency to give away a foul in the second in the in the in the area in the near the area or anything like that, inviting a free kick into the box, which he'd done two or three times in the first half yesterday. It just brings that little bit of pressure onto us. Obviously, you get that from Ben Thompson. He's going to get yellow cards and he's going to go through the games and give away fouls. But if that one thing could be changed, I think he'd be a very very good midfielder for us going forward. Obviously, he's good now, but. That's a highly contagious disease he's called, though. It's called Craig Syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good moment to close it out from Mr. Omar Ronane. Omar, really appreciate it. Good to hear your Skype connection sorted, mate. That was crystal clear. Perfect, yeah. <laughs> Seems to last all right. Yeah. Oh, just to explain to the listeners, Omar was due on last week at Chesterfield, and um, well, I think we had Skype issues, let's put it that way. But this week, you're crystal clear, mate. Many, many thanks, Omar. Thanks for coming on. We'll do it again very soon, I hope. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Meine Damen und Herren, Achtung, Mühlweib. Okay, coming up next on this edition of Achtung Mühlweib, a little bit of a bonus section. Um, apologies for those who tune in each week. We couldn't get a show out last week. But as part of last week's um, aborted presentation, I did a little interview inspired by the fabulous Sean Williams goal in the checker trade nonsense, whatever it was, the goal from the halfway line. I recorded this little piece with... Um, crazy horse um, on the greatest goals that we've ever seen at Millwall. Now, this doesn't claim to be any kind of exhaustive list, and I'm sure that you listeners out there will have your own suggestions. If you do, please do contact us at cblthemag at hotmail.co.uk and make your suggestions. But this is a little piece I recorded last week as a bit of a bonus extra freebie. Enjoy. All right, welcome to a show now to one of my favourite regular, or irregular guests, actually, Neil. Mr. Neil Andrews, Crazy Horse, welcome to the show. Cheers, I ain't been on for ages, have I? No, that's what I call, I call you an irregular rather yeah. than a regular. But... I'm sure your listeners will be very happy with that one. <laughs> we are doing a little piece, yeah. listeners, on my personal, random and totally subjective list of spectacular Millwall goals inspired by the midweek effort from... Sean Williams, Neil. Um, I, I wasn't there on Tuesday night, um, I have to confess, but I've seen the YouTube footage of possibly one the most spectacular Millwall goal I've ever seen. Um, Sean Williams shot from inside the centre circle in a, a nondescript match, so an, an odd kind of um, canvas for a, for a masterpiece, an um, odd setting, but what a, what a fantastic goal that was. It was um, and I don't want to take anything away from it because it was a fantastic goal. Um, but the club were quick to say, is this the best goal ever scored at the den? But uh, I don't know if you remember this one. But uh, okay. remember Paul Shaw, I think it was 1998 against yep. Wigan Athletic. He shot from about two yards further in. Um, it wasn't a chip. Right. It was a hard low drive and that beat Roy Carroll in the Wigan goal. And it was a fantastic shot. Uh, you know, really, you know, it was that good that, it was the first time in, I've ever been to Millwall where I've actually sworn and said, why the fuck are you shooting from there? Only to <laughs> typically, in, in typical two-faced fashion, then celebrate the goal. Um, I did the same when we would go having his hardest shot, <laughs> funny enough. Uh, well, that's on my list. That's on my list, clearly. But, yeah, he, he ran. It kind of opened up, but not quite. And he just unleashed a shot and it beat Carolyn in the bottom corner. It was so a fantastic goal. I, I, yeah. I must admit, I mean, I, I probably would have been there, but maybe the, the years have taken their toll on my memory. I don't I don't remember that one. I've got a vague sense of something. Was That a, that was like a power shot rather than... It was. Williams, it was just more the chip, chip, wasn't it? So, you know, it's not like you're beating the goalkeeper who's off his line. Yeah. You know, you've got to say that 
the Forest goalkeeper is at fault. But, you know, it's, you've still got to get it on target. I mean, Pele tried it in the World Cup, didn't he, against Uruguay and missed. Well, that's the so. benchmark, isn't it? I mean, that, that's, that was always the um, on, on the kind of list of, you know, most spectacular misses. And, and um, that was almost um, the little flaw that makes the perfection, isn't it? When Pele shot from, I think that was inside the Brazilian yeah. half. And it was went... it against Uruguay or was it against Czechoslovakia? I can't remember. I don't know, but I know the moment you I, mean. I think, it's, I think it was against Czechoslovakia. Then he missed that one against Uruguay where he went round the goalkeeper and, um, you know, dummied the goalkeeper. Yeah, the ball absolutely. went one way, he went the other way, and then he missed the open goal. That was always one of those um, World Cup spectaculars. Yeah. And that was the, 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 you know, the World Cup of, of all time. Oh, um, I said Pelé was crap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Paul Shaw over Pelé for, for Neil. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Then um, John Marquis over Pelé for missing <laughs> six yards out, I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I mean, it was certainly. I mean, I've, I've done a little bit of YouTube research. I, cu- I couldn't find the short one. I, I might have another look for one specifically now that, that you've mentioned that. But certainly, Williams's effort was was spectacular. I mean, it's. I mean, Beckham esque, wasn't it? I mean, Beckham was the uh, the other famous um, effort against Wimbledon, I think, for Manchester United. Similar kind of um, effort. Yeah, the, the trouble with that one, anyone's been to Selhurst Park knows that you know the halfway line to the goal at Selhurst Park is not the same distance as the halfway line to the goal at Millwall. But no. That, that's always been my bugbear about that shot. But you know, as um, Sullivan said at the time, it got him in the England team. And it, funny enough, got Sullivan in the Scotland team as well. So you know. Yes, of course, Scottish yeah. goalkeeper, Scottish goalkeeper um, of some, well, one of the better ones in in retrospect, looking back in recent well, he, years. He, anyway. got, he got picked because after the game, he joked he had a Scottish grandfather. So Craig Brand looked out, <laughs> found out he did, and picked him for the next spot. <laughs> it was the old um, FAI, Football Association of Ireland, was find an Irishman, wasn't it? That was the yeah. their yeah, motto. Same sort of thing. Yeah. Similar sort um, of thing. Well, next Alex on my Ray list, got a whole hat trick on didn't he at Notts County, and Paul Eiffel got a whole hat trick of him at um, Cambridge United by the season we won the championship Funny title. Eiffel was as I did this on the back of an envelope, rather having not made uh, Chesterfield today. So Eiffel actually was a, was a good cause. I've not got him on my list, but. Next up on on the back of an envelope list, I did compile was obviously Gary Alexander versus Scunthorpe, twenty um, fourth of May two thousand nine, uh, uh, an incredibly hot day. I, I get another one I wasn't there for, so my first two favourite picks have been my matches I've not actually attended. But that mm. was that was a spectacular effort, the best goal scored at Wembley, some say. Yeah, no, but uh, that was a good strike, you know, and, and he meant it. He didn't just lash it, you know, he, he did mean that one. But again, <laughs> what the fuck are you shooting from there for? Yeah. He celebrated in style, but, you know, I don't think that will ever be beaten at Wembley. Um, or it take a lot to beat that. Well, that was an interesting goal. I mean, Gary Alexander, a journeyman career as a striker, he was never really known as a, a lethal goal scorer, was he? Um, no, he's one of the, you know, fox in the box, you know, it's good with his head, score with the header about two minutes later with the place rocking. Then missed with his head in the second half. Didn't as we, as um, we remember. But, we won't mention that, but yeah, you know, <laughs> journeyman, um, capable of doing it on the day, but you know, would always be seen as a lumbering target man. Yeah, he, he kind of seemed. Uh, my memory of him, because of these things fade after one. That, obviously, that moment stands out, but. That was a spectacular duel in a crown of scuffed shots and kind of um, half and half chances put away somehow, you know, by any means necessary. And oh. it, I mean, Sean Williams, in in contrast, I mean, does at least have a reputation as a ball player, doesn't he? Whereas, yeah, I mean, there's a strange one. I mean, I, I think it was Richard Sadler's first goal. Or it could have been his second goal for Millwall um, at the start of the '97 '98 season. I think it was right. Um, I think it was away at Chesterfield, ironically enough, or was it Preston North End? It was somewhere up north. Right. And he hit a 
great shot from outside the area. It was a fantastic shot. Um, you know, and then he got injured and was out for the rest of the season. You know, just when he started showing a bit of... You he know, showed promise, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, that, that, I can't remember him scoring a better goal than that um, in his middle career, you know, but he scored a lot of, you know, decent goals. But again, you never think of him as blasting one from outside the area. Richard, um, sadly, was the great... For me, one of the greatest losses to our club in in many, many years. I mean, obviously, that, he had that season. Was it the 2001-2 yeah. season when he partnered Steve Claridge up front and really developed as a striker during that season. He did, you know, he always had it, but, you know, he's he's kind of the, not the benchmark, but he's the thing people always go back to these days, you know. I remember people getting on sadly his back when he was 16, you know. Yeah, skinny, you, skinny boy, yeah. Yeah, you could see he, you know, he had something about him. Mm. Um, without wishing to compare him to Marcus, Marcus never had the same kind of nous <laughs> about him. Um, you know, sadly, it always looks like he was capable of something. Um but, you know, Marcus scored goals at the beginning of his career as well. It's how you develop and how you progress. I mean, Marcus is more Danny Hopton than Richard Sadlier, if you know, we're going to be honest. But, you well, know, at the time, Danny Hopton was banging him in the back of the net as well. So you, you just don't know how it's going to go. This is my wild card entry. Um, I've chosen Josh McCoyd versus Preston, 23rd of April 2011, mm. which was a televised game. Um and we were, I think, in with an outside chance of playoff football in the championship. It was an outside chance. Mm. And McCoyd was, um, he came in with, um, was it Malone? He came from Bournemouth. Yeah. There was a double yeah. transfer, wasn't there, with, with, under Kenny Jacket. Yeah. And um, when I saw this goal at the time, I thought we had a superstar in the main. I thought the next Alex Ray, mm. that level of midfielder. Because um, I, just doing the list, it was one that struck me as a, a great goal, um, and I replayed the YouTube footage, and the ball falls to him inside the uh, the den, inside the centre circle. He makes a run forward straight down the heart of a, okay, a slightly wet paper bag Preston defence, and then he's shot from the edge of the D, and it was top um, top left hand corner, I think, and it, it went uh, at power. You know, that was a good goal. You know, um, but they were awful Preston at the time. You can't take anything away from the shot. You still will get it on target. But this another one just pops in my head. Do you remember? Ben Thatcher's only goal for Millwall. Ben Thatcher, well, I remember, remember that, Ben that Thatcher. That rocket but... against Charlton, um, similar oh. sort of distance as McCoy. Yes. If, it, if the net wasn't there, it'd probably still be going. Yes, um, that's, that's right. a joke, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because again, not a, not a defender that was known for yeah. his goal-scoring prowess, was he? But yeah. um, that was a power strike, now you say that, yeah. Yeah, that, that was a good one. And um, speaking of Charlton, obviously you had Les Briley in 88-89, first division. Yeah. The... Quite a way out, he hit that. That, that was a That was a good... Another a whack as well, and another goal at Springfield, a disallowed goal, was the one at Highbury, which um, I think was yes, yeah. a Les Bridey strike from um, well distance. Yeah, uh, and uh, was offside. Sure, allegedly, allegedly was offside. Yeah. Um, and at that time, younger listeners won't realise this, but we were actually in with a chance of winning the football league championship, which was modern terms, modern money, the Premier League. Um, yeah, it we're wasn't in the running. I don't think we would have. Uh, you know, we had a not a paper thin squad, but as soon as suspensions, injuries, you know, yeah. up, we, we brought in the lights of Darren Tracy and, um, you know, Morgan <laughs> into the midfield, and they weren't Briley and Herlock. No, they weren't. Um, but no, I mean, for a brief moment, the candle flickered there, didn't it? It yeah, was it, it was one of those, it was a very Millwall moment um, mm. where you could afford to dream. I even permitted myself, Neil, a, a little a, on a uh, flickering candle basis I think we were in with a, a sniff of the league and I think we drew Liverpool in the FA Cup in a fourth round and I, I started to think of the double at one point 
<laughs> yeah. yeah, we'll move on from yeah. that. <laughs> were you sectioned? <laughs> it was a low point in my life, mate. It was a low point. Joe Martin, Neil, versus Bradford City last season, or well, in the playoff um, just a few months yeah. ago, actually. Yeah, um, good free kick, wasn't it? Great example of the placed free kick from outside yeah. the penalty. I'm also thinking, actually, it was the New Zealand defender we had um, did the same kind of thing. Um, oh, Malone. Not Malone. What's his name? Um, oh. Went to Orient, disappeared without trace. Can't think of his name now, but scored a goal at Cholton. This is the level oh, of research we've done here, listeners. He's going to bug me now. He's also a golfer. Oh, no, he's not a golfer. A golfer Shane, not, not Sean Shane, something like that. Um, it is. It's Shane... Oh, Shane, Shane. Listen, listeners, listeners are screaming at the speaker saying, Shane, whatever it is. But anyway, yeah. Joe Martin's goal at, um, at Bradford, beautifully placed. And also, Shane Lowry. Lowry. Shane Lowry, like the painter. Yeah. <laughs> um, but again, I mean, he had, a, he had a way of placing free kicks in the same way that Joe can do. I mean, again, both not the, the best defenders you'll ever have seen in a Mill shirt. Yeah. But, it was what their one their one ace card they have, you know. It, yeah, it's a bit like Christoph Kinney. He, he, yeah, yeah. People remember the free kick against Coventry, and you know the famous mouthing by McGee, which <laughs> no one's ever really established whether it was at the same time or it was a bad editing. But you know, Christoph Kinney got cracking goal at the den once. Um, I think it was a League Cup first round tie, or was it the Auto Windscreen Shield? Where can't remember. It was a long punt upfield, and he ran onto it and he volleyed it first time, and it went straight into the top net, left footed. Great little player, strike. great really little player, yeah, of a certain era, a certain mm. time and place. But um, we 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 seem to have lost these. He's a little character, you know, wasn't he? You you knew he was a wayward soul, but somehow he produced the goods in big moments. He was one of those yeah, kinds of players. Yeah, he was a funny. I know, I know, you know split opinion. Um, uh, yeah, I know someone who absolutely hated and detested Christoph Kinney. Really? Um, I don't know why he bothered, but he absolutely hated and detested Christoph Kinney. Hard to um, hate him, hard to he, hate him. It was a funny one because, you know, he could be knocked off the ball or he could keep the ball or, you know, he was in games or out of games. You know, he was not consistent, but he had that kind of, you know, he could change a game if he came on as a sub. It was a bandy leg traditional winger. He had, he had, he had mm-hmm. something of the old, the old school about him. You know, nineteen fifties yeah. football. Because he, he was thin as a rake, wasn't he? It looked like yeah. he needed a, a good meat pudding, as my old man would have said. Inside, talking him. of wingers and midfielders, although most people remember him more mm. uh, after his Millwall career as a centre half fullback was um, Lucas Neal. He could hit Lucas, a fair old yeah. shot as well, couldn't he? Yeah, he, he scored some cracking goals for Millwall. He was a great player. He, he could yeah. have almost play in any position. Goal, actually, when he broke through, that was a cracking goal. We we uh, we had a little stream of Aussie players coming over. I mean, mm. In actual fact, we'll move on to Tim Cahill as as we're um, talking about Australian um, players. And I've, obviously, I put the classic um, Sunderland um, fall, mm. fall for the fall for four semi final just because it's an iconic moment in the club's history. And yeah. probably for me, and I, I wasn't at Hull when we we won promotion. I, I didn't get up there for that one. But um, for me, the greatest moment in a in a middle career. What about you, Neil? What would you would you go with that? The the, the semi final. Uh, the semi final was weird. It ended very weirdly for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll go into it another time. Let's okay. Right. It, it was a weird one. The the, um, the I... final was just surreal. But you know, the semi final. You know, once you got there. But I think more memorable was actually the quarter final against Tranmere. But funny enough, Harris scored that cracking goal. The away win. The away yeah. win up there. Yeah. Um, you know, it's nil nil at home, wasn't it? It was an odd, odd way round to do it, but that whole cup run was was slightly surreal, wasn't it? When when you look oh, back oh, at yeah. it, when you think that Kenneth Braniff scored the goal that set us on the road to <laughs> the FA Braniff. Cup final, that, that's when you, you realise you're in dreamland. 
And Timothy Feliga Cahill Esquire, have I put it in my piece here, has put us in the final. Um, oh. A solid volley after a good run by Paul Eiffel. Who, funnily enough, he's a player I've not um, didn't spring to mind for a spectacular goal, but he did produce a few spectaculars. I think one at um, Colchester. Now I'm thinking about it. Was it? There was he, one he got five two one at there. Colchester. One came back off the stanchion and wasn't given. That was the That's the right. Yeah, I've forgotten that. It's the same game. Forgotten he scored that. thought he thought it was a winner. Hit the back of the net, came out. Referee and linesman both didn't give it. Thought it hit the post, and um, then he went and did it again. And that, that time he buried it in the bottom of the net. So yeah. But another player. I mean, you mentioned Kine, and I feel in a had a very similar kind of quality. You never knew. Hmm. You never knew what Paul Eiffel you were going to get from minute to minute in the game. You, he could be by turns infuriating and by turns brilliant, couldn't he? He was, yeah, he, he was in the same he, match, you know. Yeah, he was one of our better players in the final, actually. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he had well, he got found in the box and behind, you know, which is apparently half the time, but wasn't in that game for no, some no, reason. No. Um, and he had that run where he shot, and he, you know, even today he said, you know, I should have dragged it back. I probably yeah. would have scored. But, you know, he, he looked our most dangerous player that day. Um, he was an instinctive player. He, he, he would get the ball sometimes. I remember once against Crystal Palace, he seemed to go on a, a, a mazy dribble and you, mm. you you kind of waited for him to lose the ball. Trevor Lee, actually, back in the 70s, had a similar kind of um, mm. touch. And you, you had, as he's still retaining the ball here, and it somehow they would get past men and, and get into shooting positions yeah. just by sheer persistence, it always seemed to me. It's um, funny how many people on this list were actually wingers or played on the wing at some time. Well, yeah, um, another one. I'm going to throw another one for spectacular, um, spectacular goals. And this one is purely from memory. I couldn't find any YouTube footage of this three nil um, New Year's Day win over Crystal Palace, 2011. I picked out Jason Punchin, now a 10 million pound player, rated yeah. in the Premier League. At that time, I think we loaned him from, or we had him on loan from Southampton. I think it we was. We did, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's uh, that again. It's funny how these things, you know, throw up every now and then. Throw up. What a great term. What a great term. Um, yeah, it comes up. But you know, um, was it Boxing Day on New Year's Day, ninety three, ninety four? Etienne Vervia against Vervia. Three nil win. Yeah, that's a good call. There's a good call. Etienne, Etienne Vervia. And again, the same same team, same kind of. Uh, it was either Boxing Day or New Year's Eve, uh, New Year's mm. Day or something. And in a similar way to the punch and goal, it, it, it was against Crystal Palace, who seemed to have this knack of collapsing on these big occasions in front of the Den crowd back then. Yeah. And um, I, mean, I just remember punch and doing a slalom run. I remember well Etienne doing the overhead kick. It was. These are moments that that you live for as a football fan. They, they you, like you say, wingers, and I think wingers bring excitement to the game, don't they? They produce these big moments. I do. I know Stephen Reid's on your left as well because you know, Reedy yeah. scores some great goals. Reedy, yeah. what a player! Um, it's funny, even talking now. You know, we're talking about Ben Thatcher. I remember Anton Rogan against Stockpool County. We lost four three. We were three 0 down or three one stage, three uh, one down at one stage, and came back. And Rogan scored twice, and then they got the win at the end. But he got our first one, which was another screamer from outside the box. Yeah, and that's when he went on that goal run of you know seven goals or something. You know, <laughs> nine games, it's an amazing run. Gosh, players over so many years, they they, they it slips mm. your mind over the time. I've picked out um, I picked out Neil Harris, obviously, um, and I picked out the goal against Watford. Which um, having rewatched it to do this little piece this afternoon I'm, I'm struck by how the Watford defence just kind of um, if it was there it, it, it what, what, what defenders were there kind of gave them an easy run there but that's not to knock the emotion of the moment yeah. but it, I mean we were 3-1 up it was late on they were pressing forward yeah. they just scored and you know their tails are up 
Left-sided run, wasn't it? Left-sided run. Yeah, he ran from his own half. You know, he still had to bury it, and it was a great finish. It's an incredible finish, and yeah. you know, it was it was all about the moment. He'd, he'd um, been it out was, of the game, but it was arguably not his best goal. I remember, he was, I think it was up in Stoke when he scored an absolute screamer from the corner. You know, he bent it in. It was a fantastic goal. You know, and he he got a lot of really good goals in his career. You know, even late on, I think his last hat trick, the way he finished that off was another. You know, shot from outside the area, which was you know pure striker instinct. Well, the young Again, man, like sadly, it's something else we lost. You know. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's worth worth saying actually, because many, many um, listeners might not have seen the young Neil Harris, and it's, it's hard to get across just what a goal-scoring machine he was in his younger younger days. Um, I've picked out as an alternate to the, the goal, which obviously has is a fairly obvious um, choice, but I picked out one against Oldham when we won the championship. I think the championship was actually in the bag in, in mm. the third division or League One, whatever it was called at that time. And from memory, because I've not found it on online, but he he, um, he chipped the goalkeeper from... Um, he was put through and chipped the goalkeeper who was coming out to meet him at the edge of the penalty area. And it was just a beautiful moment. Um, again, you know, ones that stick in your mind. And it was a, mm. it, one of those golden days, as I've described it, a golden moment, golden days. And um, the goal to to go with the whole, uh, the feeling of that day. I don't want to doubt your memory, but I think you're mixing him up with Steve Claridge against Rotherham. Am I? I could be. Yeah, I, I, and he, he's, he's chipped it over the keeper. You know, uh, Rotherham was second. They came down and we absolutely tonked them. And Claridge finished it off with a lovely chip because I... Now, I could be wrong. I may have to check this out. We're going to have to throw this to the listeners, the listeners out there, yeah, those that were there. Because I, I, you we beat Oldham five 0 Reed got the absolute storm. I remember Moody getting two. No, Harris, Harris could have scored against Oldham because he took the penalty at the end, even though Moody was on the entry because he needed yes, the it. goal for the Golden Boot. That's right. Yeah. I, I have a memory of him lobbing the goalkeeper, and we're going to have to ask the listeners to to um, help us yeah, out. Write in on the postcard. Write in a postcard. Send it to me, care of CBL Towns. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, let's, let's, let's throw that one open. I, I thought we'd lob the goalkeeper, but I mean, you're right. He was a he was a goal scorer of um, skill, panache, and also instinct inside the six yard box. He was a, he was a prospect um, that was it was it, it was cruelly taken away from us by mm. the cancer. Yeah, ne- he, never he, came he, back he, the same player, did he? After that, he, he lost a yard of pace. Well, funny enough, when he came back, um, after you know, he resigned from Forest, it, you know, you saw. Moments, yeah. Moments, of the old Harris. I admit he was like in a lower division. Well, it was in the same league, you know. But you, you saw moments, and he kind of got it back, and he went on that run of eighteen goals that season. That was like his last. That was his only season, I think, after that, where he got into double figures. I think he may have got twelve along the line somewhere, but it was the last, you know, full-on season we had from Neil Harris. I think. But he replaced I think anyone had. He kind of re. I, I think when when we, he was on his initial role in thirty-goal season, yeah. um, there was talk of Spurs or even Liverpool being interested in him, and he had potential to take it up a level, didn't he? Um, I believe the club turned down four million from Spurs. Yeah. Uh, just shortly before he got diagnosed, and the fact Harris turned it down because he wanted to try and get Mill into the Premiership. Yeah. Uh, but speaking of Harris, of course, Teddy Sheringham in his 38-goal season, he got some corkers as well that year. Fantastic goals. Yeah. That, that was the 90-91 season. Yeah, of... he, he got some absolutely blinding goals. That's a good call, because let's not forget yeah. that we were relegated and Teddy Sheringham was a more than established um, First Division Premier League player in, in modern terms. And yet he stayed with his club to come back and try and win us promotion again. It, he, he did it's quite win, incredible. 
Yeah, he gets a lot of stick. But, you know, when you remember that, you know, Tony Cascarino left, Herlock left shortly before the season started. McCleary wanted to go to Celtic and never re-established him in his team, you know. Yeah. Um, to be fair, we brought in Alex Ray, who was, you know, I th- he got into double figures that year. And we had John Goodman, who I think scored 18 that year. Goodman was you know, a great We player. had a decent team then, you know, a number decent squad. And we just missed out through the playoffs. But, you know, it was... Things came together, and you know he's got a lot of the goals. But some of the goals I saw that season, they were absolutely blinded. You know, really good goals. I picked out one Alex Ray moment, um, which I found. I mean, there were many, many goals, too many to to uh, to go through completely. But I picked out the, the Brentford TV game, which is on mm. on YouTube. Uh, you can get the whole game actually if you want to want to watch it. And as an example of what the old den looked like, sounded like, and felt like, it's it's a great watching in its in its way. But Um, 6-1 home win that day some fantastic football from that squad Neil at that time Mm. I think that was was that that, was that Bruce Rioch's squad still or was that that that, McCarthy by then Rioch's squad but McCarthy was in charge that was McCarthy's first full season that was almost a perfect combination because Rioch as a a, a manager with an eye for talent and an eye for Mm. a player was fantastic he seemed to lack man management skills which McCarthy came in and Seemed somehow at the time to bring in, but he didn't have the same eye for a player, did he? Yeah, although McCarthy's man management skills, you know, if you heard the rumours about Uwe Fuchs and how he destroyed <laughs> Mark Kennedy's career, you know, yeah. leaves a lot to be desired. You know, if there's an overrated manager, it's Mick McCarthy, McCarthy in my eyes, but that's that's a whole other show. That's another um, show. But Blistering start in this game. The, the kick. We did, yeah. Um, Alex we, Ray scored some great goals that season. I remember we played Charlton and he scored in the first minute from outside the box. He scored in. It was the four-all game where we came back from... Um, we drew with Sheffield Wednesday, yeah, didn't we? What, was, yeah. it, was it 4-2 down that, at that half-time? Was, that was the cup. Uh, no, there was the league one where we were 2-0 down. We came back and won it 4-2. Two. And yeah. then that was that mad FA Cup game where we scored in the first minute. Yeah. And then it was just end-to-end stuff and then we equalised in the last minute for Alex Ray. But it's just yeah. an ex- just one example. We kick off against Brentford. Ball goes across field on the right. Um, Ray was wearing number two. I don't know if he. Was, I can't believe he's playing in a fullback position. He was certainly wide right, and then he cuts in left and slams it past. It, it beats three defenders. Actually, yeah. it's interesting watching it again. And he slams it in the top right corner of the day. It's just one example of what the man could do. He was he was a blistering player. It was, but he. he... I saw Alex Ray win number six, number ten, number eight. He never had a permanent number. No, um, no. But, but tr- he, he was a he was a cracking player. He I mean, was I, a cracking player. I've, Although, funny enough, I should say this, um, and well, I'm only going to say this. It's, it's got no bearing. But I did some work for this company in Scotland hmm. um, over the summer. As a thank you, they got me a signed Alex Ray Millwall shirt. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so you're a fan, clearly. Uh, he's still got fond memories. He's, like, he's very pleased that you know, people still remember him at the den. You know? and, um, Absolutely. He, um, he was on the shortlist for the manager's job when Kenny Jackie got it. Well, he's developed a coaching career, isn't he? I mean, he's at Wolves. He has. Um, he's up in Scotland now, I think. And he's done Dundee, one of the Dundee clubs. Yeah, he was up in Scotland. Um, he was... Um, who was he? I think it was St Mirren, um, if my memory right. serves, but I could be wrong. But they did very well, and then they got the rug pulled under them, and they started right. sending the players, and obviously it reflects on the manager, and you know yeah. they don't start winning games, etc. But it wasn't his fault, so it's like him and his assistant, he basically had to start from scratch every now and then. Um, and then they did some work with Wolves as well, with Paul Wintz, and followed him round to MK Dons, etc., um, you know, him and Paul Harley, I think they're the two to keep an eye on manager-wise. One of them may end up back at Millwall, um, which one is anyone's guess. But Hartley will be an unexpected name. Ray, 
I mean, I've, I've, I've put him in, in my little piece here, the one, perhaps the most dangerous attack in midfield. I mean, only Cahill could come in the same sentence for me in midfield as an attacking yeah. midfielder. Yeah, you, you, I mean, the two only of them, I, I don't think there's anyone. But you say that, um, you, know, you think back to the 71 side, you know, players that scored there. I mean, you know, we hadn't even mentioned the goal of the season, 71, 72, old Derek Posse. Derek Posse, yeah, yeah, big match goal of the season. Yeah. Um, good call, actually. I, re- I remember it was just slightly before I started going Millwall, and um, I remember it winning um, the goal, uh, the goal of the season, and it slightly put the name Millwall in my head at the time. I was still at primary mm. school, and I hadn't, hadn't been to football at all. Um, if, if I remember rightly, I was three months old, so I don't have the clearest <laughs> memory of it. But, uh... I'm going to pick out one last goal from that era, so shortly after I started going regularly, and we're going back to the Chelsea home game mm. 1970, this was the first time I had ever tasted big, what I call the big occasion at Coldblow Lane, as a visit of Chelsea mm. newly relegated side from um, Division 1 back in those days, they were a glamorous side, not the glamorous in today's terms, but they were a show business side, anyone who was trendy supported Chelsea and um, obviously they, they had a support that was um, not quite as glamorous, but um, certainly thought it was uh, Coldblow Lane was a, was a day out for them yeah. as well. And it was the most adrenaline fueled 45 minutes, first half, that I had ever in, ever experienced. And it still sticks in my head to this day because it was the first moment of big time football I'd seen. And I've picked out Ray Evans's second goal, uh, the second goal for Millwall. It was a free kick on the left hand side of the penalty area, blasted in from distance. Mm. And it was it was like you're going into dreamland, Neil, at that point because yeah, the first time I've seen yeah. us being competing at the big big the big level as I would have seen it then. Ray it's, was... it's funny, funny you say that because uh, it may have been the same season the season after uh, Barry Kitchener scored a cracking goal from a similar position in open play. Yeah, against uh, Luton, Luton, yeah. Luton. That's a good call. Yeah. That, that was another a TV goal. match. Yeah. Another TV match. And that, yeah. it, it reminded me the other night, uh, the, last week, when Byron Webster went on a dribble and plant, put a little um, perfectly weighted ball through to um, Morrison, I think, last week. Mm. It was Kitchener in the same way. It was, it was rare that you saw the delicacy of the game from these big players. These were, you know, burly central defenders. And um, with Byron last week, these are just moments of beauty from the, mo- the least expected places. And that, that Barry Kitchener goal was out the same yeah. the same draw, wasn't it? Although you had to be there, I think. But um, Damien Webber against Watford. Damien Webber. I think it was 96-97 when he ran the entire length of the pitch. The names, the names. Every <laughs> single player and then passed it to Steve Crawford to score. You know, Crawford. Thought, yeah. Crawford. He, he ran around everywhere. <laughs> it, was <laughs> it was Damien Webber doing it. Um, different era. Damien Webber yeah. and uh, Crawford. But going back to the old then, you know, I think one of the disadvantages of so the old school, we've probably scored some cracking goals. Is there something on... Nothing captured no. on TV or video. No, whereas uh, now anything that moves is on on yeah. TV footage of some sort. Back then, you you scratched for the odd big match or the very rare match of the day coverage. I mean, I usually away. Telling all my schoolmates, um, seventy nine eighty season, um, Kevin O'Callaghan. Yeah. Um, remember it was shortly after Harry Han used to score for fun from distance against Dino's off and yes. set Meyer at the yeah. World Cup. I remember it was against Carlisle. It was a nothing game. It was winter. Um, it was heading to nil nil. And um, they had a corner, and we edited it out, and it came to Kevin O'Callaghan, and on the edge of his own area, he ran a bit, looked up, and then just hit this ball down the other end of the pitch. And 
the last defender for Carlisle and the goalkeeper came out for it. It kind of hit the Carlisle defender's neck, looped over the goalkeeper and went in. It's amazing. It's the longest goal I've ever seen. You know, it was on the edge of his own area. Um, admittedly, it's not a clean cut shot. But, but there we are. Yeah. I still remember that. But you can't get footage of that anywhere. No, you um, can't. I'm sure no. someone else must have seen that goal. It's uh, rare that fantastic game, goal that was. Games of that era get, got covered in any any way, shape, or form. But Kevin O'Callaghan, what a great winger he was. Paul Stevenson, of course, the um, the goal yeah, at the goal at Anfield springs to mind. I mean, that was his debut, wasn't it? From, yeah, yeah. With he's, sign... got a, he's got a cracking goal against um, West Ham as well yeah. in nineteen ninety one um, in the league when that ended one one, and he got that one against Leicester in the dying minutes when we were one nil down going in the injury time and one two one. I don't even mention the West Ham Mother's Day Massacre. I mean, there were some good goals out there as well, volleys. They, they were all fantastic. You can't knock any of those goals, can you, really? <laughs> even the penalty misses were fantastic because they didn't matter. Yeah. Two penalty misses that day, and we still won it 4 1. And um, was it, it was it Chris, Christian Daly when it was made man of the match, I think? Um, uh, or was that no, the Chelsea? Ch- we haven't mentioned Christian Daly's goals for Millwall. They were great. Shelton well. <laughs> and West Ham. He's a, he's they, a, they were fantastic. He's got to be in the Hall of Fame, hasn't he? Yeah, he got more than Barry Powell for Millwall. Barry Powell, all oh, these names you're digging out here. Actually, Barry Powell's Oh, that hurts. Barry Powell. <laughs> There's a good moment to close the show on. Barry Powell with one L. Oh, there you go. One L. I've only seen one goal better than Barry Powell's, and that was Robbie Ryan's first goal from two yards out. <laughs> everyone went, oh my God, Robbie Ryan scored. And he just Barry flapped Powell. his wings like, what am I meant to do now? It was the Danish striker we had a couple of years ago as well. Paul um, Huberts. The Huberts. <laughs> He scored some crackers, Danny, old Paul Hoover. He actually did score some crackers. He was a bit of a nutter, wasn't he? he well, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I wonder I, whatever happened to him. I don't know. Great we stuff. Haven't, we haven't learned some Uwe Fuchs scoring with his bollocks against Palace. That was a good goal. Didn't someone throw a firework on the pitch as well when he did his night at the bloke yeah. and threw the firework yeah. on the pitch? <laughs> Great stuff. Mad. Neil, I really appreciate you calling me, mate. No worries. Fantastic stuff. Thank you for that little... Journey down memory lane. Maybe listeners have any other suggestions, in which case let us know. And if, if also settle that issue of Neil Harris's lob in the um, championship winning game in 2001. Um, did he or didn't he lob the goalkeeper? We need to know. Big thank you to Neil. Crazy Horse Andrews. Hopefully talk to you again soon, mate. Cheers. You've been listening to Octoon Millwall, the CBL Magazine podcast. That's the Millwall News this week, and we are out of here. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.